What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Organization News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Simulcast edition of the podcast. Uh, if you're wondering why you're hearing my voice and not Ben Dubose's voice, it's because we have not kidnapped Ben. He's still here. He's still here with us. Uh, we're doing a simulcast here, edition. Bro. Yeah, he's, he's here. See, like, I, I promise. We, we haven't done anything with him. He's still here with us. Uh, we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be hosting this podcast on both of our feeds. So if you're from Lockdown Rockets, hello. My name is Solomon Ali. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops. Chances are a good amount of you already are doing so. Um, and same thing goes for um, Lockdown, I mean, Red Nation Hoops listeners. Like, this is Ben Dubose. Uh, you probably heard him from Lockdown Rockets. Uh, and he's he's uh, has a pretty good podcast that you should be listening to every week. So the whole the general idea behind this is that we're going to be podcasting a lot during the playoffs anyways. So we figured let's just try this simulcast. Like, let's see how this goes. We're going to be doing a, a first round preview. And then if it goes well, like we might do more of these. But like, let's just see how this goes. Right. And I, I think I think it's a pretty good idea. I, and I talked to Ben about it. He thinks it's a pretty good idea. And yeah, that's pretty much the consensus behind this. Yeah, more the merrier. Glad to be with you. Uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, yeah, the more voices we can get in. And of course, me and you, we've done several shows together. And, of course, on this show as well, we're also joined by Forrest Walker. You know him from Red Nation Hoops as well. Forrest, what's going on, buddy? Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, yeah so no, go ahead. I, I guess all – yeah, we've got all three of us just to give a roundup of general, what, thoughts, previews. Where, where do you guys start as far as you see Houston and Oklahoma City as a matchup? What are the first things you'll think of? What jumps off the, the page at you as being the story to this series? Is, is this a trick question? I feel like you're <laughs> trying to bait us into something. <laughs> no. No, uh, I know it can sound like that given a lot of the uh, awards narratives these days. But no, being completely honest, what jumps off the page with this? Uh, I mean, for me, I just want to see if the Rockets can shoot their threes with any consistency. That's kind of what I want to see at a, who, any any series they'd be playing right now. Uh, if they can shoot threes and they have a really bright playoff future, if they can't, uh, then they won't be able to beat the Thunder. That's kind of what it all comes down to for me. Yeah, and I'm with Forrest. Like, I, I think the three-point percentage is going to matter a lot. Like, if they uh, if they clunk out a game, like, there's if, – if they shoot poorly from beyond the three-point line, that's when the Oklahoma City Thunder can actually grab a game. Uh, and also, like, I think – 
the amount of rebounds the guards get is going to be an important stat that I'm watching throughout this playoffs. Like, I think Patrick Beverly and James Harden are going to have to be all over the glass because this is going to be one of those games where you have to control the glass or at least keep it even enough to where um, your shooting can win out. And, like, I, I think... I think that's going to be the biggest differentiator here. I think, like, you know, Russell Westbrook's obviously an awesome offensive rebounder, and I think that's going to matter in this series. So if you can limit that, and if you can limit Enos Cantor's uh, impact on the boards and Steven Adams, like, I think that's going to be the biggest, you know, differentiator in this series. So, 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 you mentioned a name there, some kind of rebounding guard. Miss Russell, is there is there some reason we should care about the, the situation of playing against Russell Westbrook? Who's that guy? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that's going to be a huge, huge theme to this series, backcourt rebounding, because we all know what the Rockets' limitations are with Ryan Anderson season finale on Wednesday, what, two rebounds in 32 minutes. We know Capella and Nene are up and down. So, yeah, if the Rockets are going to compete on the glass, they're going to have to do it um, with Beverly, James Harden, even Trevor Ariza playing a big role. I kind of like Forrest's point leading off. I definitely think the shooting is going to be – Huge. I mean, it's huge for the Rockets against any team. One of the one of the takes of Forrest that I really liked uh, during the year was that after the trade deadline, when the Rockets got all these bombers, it almost becomes less about the team the Rockets are playing and more about themselves. Quite simply, do they make their shots? And that's always important. But I think it's especially important in this matchup because if the Rockets hit their shots, the last game that Houston played Oklahoma City and just blew them out. That was the game that the Rockets shot 63% from the field, 51% from behind the arc, made 23s. Essentially, they shot so well, and Trevor Ariza was a big part of it. I think he was 9 of 11. He shot so well that the, that the Thunder basically, basically could not even play their big lineups because the spacing was such that they were just getting killed. So Taj Gibson played just 17 minutes, even though he was 6 of 7. It was just such a defensive liability. And it's one of those things, if you're not making your shots then all of a sudden those big boys for Oklahoma City, that matchup can get pretty troublesome and how they can crash the glass. The flip side, if you make those shots, there's a pretty good opportunity that the Rockets are going to be able to dictate the style of play. And by doing that, you kind of mitigate one of Oklahoma City's big advantages, which is the depth of big bodies they can throw at you up front. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, because of that, I think Nene is going to be a huge factor in the series because I think uh, – the Thunder have that kind of bruising body center type uh, in Steven Adams, and like I think that's going to cause the Rockets a lot of trouble unless they can combat it. Like, like Clint Capella is also going to be huge in this series, right? Like he ended the season pretty strong with that twenty-two point game, uh, that twenty-two and ten game, and like he's going to have to have like a game like that in this series because I, I think. He's going to have to, you know, keep these guys off the glass, right? And, you know, offensive rebounding isn't going to be enough. Like, he's an awesome offensive rebounder, but I don't think that's going to be enough. I think he has to be all over the defensive glass in the series. Um, and I and I think that's going to be, like, probably the undertone of the series. Like, the the rebounding battle is so important for the Rockets. And I think, um, as Forrest said, the shooting is going to come back and bite them. If they, if they don't at least shoot at, like, um, at like a 35% clip, like, it could get pretty ugly because the Rockets can get by with volume, right? We've seen it in this in uh, this season, right? That, like, if you look at their season three-point percentage, they're actually a middle-of-the-pack three-point shooting team right now, and that's because they've shot so many three-pointers, um, and they've gotten by with that. And I think, I think that if they can manage to do that this series, if they can manage to get by and get their shots off, um, despite the Thunder, obviously, they're obviously going to game plan for the Rockets, right? We under the arc, and that's going to be... Yeah. That's going to be probably one of the biggest things Billy Donovan emphasizes in this matchup. And I, I think 
if if the Rockets can still get their shots off, no matter at what percentage they're getting it off, if they're getting it off at a high volume, I think that matters, and I think that makes a difference, right? Because we've seen before, like the biggest indication of three point defense is not three point percentage; it's three point, it's the amount of three pointers you're getting up, right? If yes, if if, uh, if the Rockets can get them get up a high volume of three pointers, and like it doesn't really matter what they shoot as long as they're getting them up, and if they shoot like six more than the Thunder. Um, in this in in a game, I, I just think they're going to end up winning. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that that last game against the Thunder in the regular season, where they for most of the game blew them out, uh, that their defense really was not particularly effective against the Thunder. And in fact, their their hot three point shooting was able to seal that game despite a lot of other things, uh, which is kind of why I think it's really going to come down to that. Like if they can shoot their season average on three pointers and shoot uh, their season average amount of three pointers. They're good for this series, and they're they're a real threat going forward. Uh, also, low-key, who I'm afraid of in this series is Steve Adams. Uh, I know that we're supposed to think that he's not offering anything to the Thunder because he's just one of the other trash role players on the team or something, but uh, <laughs> he's real good. He's really good. Yeah. He can bully the Rockets' centers in the paint, to be honest, uh, which is a real problem, especially on the rebounding end. Yeah, and I think, yeah, like... Go back um, to a point that... I, I want to go back to a point real quick that Solomon made a minute ago, which was the importance of Nene against Steven Adams. And I see this as, it's true, Nene can be big in this series, but I see it as a real challenge for Jeff Bezdelic in terms of when to deploy, you know, which center, because that also kind of influences your coverage schemes and how you're going to defend Russell Westbrook on the pick and roll. Because to me, I think in an ideal world, you've got two athletic centers, Clinton Capella and Montrez Harrell, that you can switch an awful lot. Maybe not every time, but you can switch an awful lot where you've got Capella and Harrell. And actually, we've seen a couple of the earlier Houston, Oklahoma City games, especially late. They love being able to switch Harrell onto Westbrook and have Harrell contest. That's something he can do. Now, Nene, you're asking a whole hell of a lot to have Nene switch on to Russell Westbrook, whoever the guard may be. You're asking for trouble if you do that on anything other than a very rare basis. So to me, you know, looking at Nene versus Steven Adams, that's part of the equation. But the other part is, okay, how do we balance the need for Nene's physicality versus how we want to defend the pick and roll? Namely, you know, do we want to switch? And I've thought about this a lot myself. But what I keep coming back to is just flexibility. You're just going to have to see Jeff Bezdelic and, of course, the Rockets' defensive game plan just basically be flexible based on who's in the game at the time. And, you know, if, if Clint or Montrez is out there, that may need more, more switching. And if Dene is out there, maybe that's when uh, you go under the screen on occasion. The main thing I would point out, like I said, may, avoid putting Nene and Ryan Anderson together. I think that's big because if you put Nene with a reset, that at least gives you some more length, some range at the four spot. That could help mitigate the gap a little bit. Also, maybe if you play Nene in the minutes that Russell Westbrook is not out there, we know the Thunder don't have a great solution to back up point guard. Maybe that makes going under the screen a little less scary. Uh, but I'm curious take on that, how you balance the need for Nene's physicality versus the importance of being able to switch on some of those pick and rolls up high. Yeah, um, and going back to what, what Forrest said about uh, – Steven Adams, like, I think Steven Adams is going to be huge in this series. Um, and, we, we, like, this is kind of one of the reasons I'm hesitant to call this, like, a, a five-game series or a four-game series is because, like, we've seen Steven Adams have really big games in the playoffs before, right? And, like, we we haven't seen, like, players like Victor Oladipo in the playoffs yet, right? Like, there's a chance they could have a coming-out party in the playoffs. We don't know that yet, right? And, um, you know, as we know, in the playoffs, everybody uh, – 
ups their intensity, and, and that's why I'm really hesitant to, p- to pick a short series with the Thunder. Um, but as far as when you play Nene, I, I think I kind of think you have to kind of stagger him with um, Enos Cantor and Steven Adams minutes, right? And like, um, and, and if Russell Westbrook's out there, I, I just think you kind of have to take the gamble. And like, if 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 you're gonna have to switch, I think you're gonna have to double a little bit. Um, and I I, th- I think. I think that's what the Rockets going to have to do. Like when Russell Westbrook's going to be out there, you're going to have to. The unique thing about the Rockets guarding Russell Westbrook is that they don't have to worry about the shooters as much. Like, and I think that's going to be a big problem for the Thunder, right? It's yeah. like you can't just guard James Harden. It's guarding James Harden and the shooters. And the neat thing about guarding the Thunder is like they don't have that much shooting, right? They, uh, Victor Oladipo is a decent shooter, but I mean, if you look around, I mean, it's they have Abrinas is okay. Uh, and Doug McDermott is, you know, better than average, I guess, but they really don't have that much floor spacing. Um, you know, Todd Gibson, Andre Robertson, um, you know, st- their bigs aren't, th- aren't stretch bigs. And like, I think that really matters. Um, and I think like it makes it a, one- it makes it more of a one-on-one matchup than a one-on-five matchup. And I, I think that that's why the Rockets have a little bit of a, have a little bit of a leg up in this series and that they don't have to worry about shooters and you can guard James Harden on Andre Roberts and you can hide him. And I think that's a unique yeah. advantage, advantage that the Rockets have that they may not have in other first rounds and other, um, and other series throughout the playoffs. Like I, I think he's one of the few wings that you can have Harden guard and kind of play free safety and help a lot. Right. And I think that's going to be like, I think Harden's defensive impact is going to be better because of that, because you're, you're kind of playing four on five, right? You're playing, um, you know, the, the Thunder are, are playing four guys against five, and Harden can help on anybody he wants back there because he doesn't have to worry about Andre Robertson's shooting. Now, obviously, you have to worry about his cutting, right? And I think that's where the yeah. big, the bigs are going to come in. Uh, that's where I think Clint Capella and Nene, like, they have to communicate in this series. Like, they, they have to talk. Like, they just can't stay they can't stay silent throughout the series. I, I think there's going to be a lot. Like, Billy Donovan's a really crafty coach, and uh, yep. we, we saw this in last year's playoffs. Like, he surprised a lot of people. Uh, with the way with his X's and O's and and the way he um he utilizes utilizes his players' cuttings and like the way he may do with minimal spacing like I I think I think that's going to be an, a real problem for the Rockets and that's why they have to communicate in the series. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of what's going to happen defensively. I love the point that you made about Harden as a free safety. I think he's ideal when he gets in that role. And you can't do it too much because, as you said, Roberson's cutting. You're going to have to have good communication. But Harden can be a real difference maker when he can actually watch the ball a little bit. He he makes really good reads. It's just in a lot of these series, you don't have the luxury of letting him watch the ball. He's got to watch his man at all times. Roberson, this puts him in a little bit of a unique position that should be to the Rockets' benefit. That's another reason why I think it's a pretty uh, good matchup for Houston. The side of the ball I'm more curious about with Harden is offense. Because if you look at this season, you're going to see a lot made in the next couple of days about Harden's subpar numbers against the Thunder, which is true. He's played worse against the Thunder than any other team. And you do give Roberson a heck of a lot of credit. He's a good defender. It's been a tough matchup, et cetera, et cetera. However, there's been a big improvement from the first two games. Those are back in November and December. One of those without Pat Beverly and the last two. Harden's been a lot more efficient against OKC the last two go rounds. And so I'd love to hear what Salman, you and Forrest think was the difference. The thing that kind of jumps off the page to me was Lou Williams in that last meeting. I think he had 31 points, 11 of 15 shooting. And where I'm going with that, it's not just having a shooter. It's having another playmaker on the floor that can create his own offense because the Thunder with Roberson, they're, they're a unique team 
that they don't necessarily have to um, double harden at all times. Now, of course, you you know you want to hedge, you want to show all that kind of stuff. When you have Roberson as a perimeter defender and Stephen Adams inside, you don't have to double on everything. And so those stationary shooters, those guys like Ryan Anderson, they might not get quite the space that they do in other matchups. However, you certainly have to at least show, hedge, whatever you want to call it. And so where that really comes into play, you might not get a standstill three-point shot when Harden creates, but you can get kind of a good look. And then if you have a secondary creator that's on that night, be it Lou or Eric Gordon, someone that can, you know, fake the shot, go go to the basket, hit a mid-range, that's so big because if you have a secondary creator on the floor, that's what can potentially relieve the pressure off of Harden. So I'm, I would love to hear what y'all saw in this, but that's kind of how you know the eye test went for me was that when Harden had a secondary playmaker that was going out there and doing things, that seemed to relieve a lot of the defensive pressure that, uh, that was out there that was just Andre Robertson on him and nothing but shooters around James Harden. So let me answer your question with a question. Who was the backup point guard in those first couple games. <laughs> I think you can have your yeah. answer right there, right? When you have Good like point. when you have like Tyler Ennis coming off the bench and you have a, a J, like a Bobby Brown was he even playing at that point? Like no. so long ago. <laughs> yeah, so that's not uh that's not what you want, right? Like Eric Gordon can create, but he's not a point guard. He you know yeah. like Lou Williams can actually play like a point guard. Eric Gordon not quite uh, so, yeah, he really didn't have a lot of help on that end. Also, yeah, then, go ahead. you can make the point that the worst game by far was when the Rockets did not have Beverly against Oklahoma City. So they literally had zero point guards, which I think further yeah. makes that point. Yeah, so I, I think that is going to matter a lot. The team's also a lot more, you know, ready to play against this Thunder team, I think. Uh, early season is kind of weird, especially like they, they play kind of early. But yeah, I've, I, I mean,. I think it, he will look a lot better. Uh, he has looked a lot better against him in the, next, in the more recent games where teams can't don't have the luxury of just completely loading up on James Harden and you know ignoring everybody else if they can. Uh, but I think that the Rockets are a bad matchup for the for the Thunder. It might mm-hmm. be true the other way around too, but uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a lot a lot of hard time dealing with James Harden and his shooters. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think you're right that with another creator out there. When they can put out like Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly for some lineups that they really want to, they can just completely blitz the Thunder and make their defense, which has been very good all season, look silly. Yeah. See, and, one thing. And you brought up a good point there, Forrest, about uh, Lou Williams. But, like, my biggest question is, like, is Lou Williams going to show up this time in the playoffs, right? Yeah. And, and that's been a big question for him throughout his entire career, right? His playoff numbers are just not good. Like, you can't hide it. He's just not good, right? And he has to show up uh, in the playoffs to make a big impact for the Rockets. And, like, I I think having him as a seventh man as opposed to sixth man is going to make a real difference in that that aspect. Um, And I think he's going to have to make a lot of the secondary creation for the Rockets when when James Harden's on the bench, right? And when uh, Eric Gordon can play that, can play just free and be a shooter and not have to play make as much as he normally does. He's a really good passer. And that and that's like a a big thing with Eric with Lou Williams I, that a lot of people may not know. He's a really talented passer. He finds Capella and Nene a lot for those cuts, and and he's he's really good in in pick and roll situations. But like his shooting percentages just have to be good. As far as your question, Ben, about uh, Harden in the playoffs and like Andre Robertson's coverage of him, like I I think Andre Robertson's like one of the 
five or six best defenders in the NBA, perimeter defenders in the NBA. He's just that freaking talented. Like, I, and like for for those kind of players, you just have to watch a lot of film on him. I think Harden. Um, I think that's what's kind of changed in those last two games. I think Harden kind of knew what what Andre Roberson and the Thunder were going to do against him, and he kind of he adjusted accordingly. Like he became more of a passer in those second two games, and the Rockets were actually hitting their shots, so it benefited him to make that extra pass. And you could see that in in the jump in his assist numbers in those last two games. Um, and and because of that, like when when Harden's passing like that, and like you have to kind of worry about your shooters. Like it becomes a lot harder to, to to single in on James Harden, right? We talked about this earlier in the podcast. Like, you can do that with Russell Westbrook. You can't do that with James Harden when he has a whole bunch of shooters around him, right? And I think um, if the shooters are hitting their shots, like I think Harden's shooting percentages are going to go up because of that. Like, I think it becomes a lot harder to guard them when when you have to worry about so much uh, that's going on. And I, I think Harden's going to get better as the series goes along. I, I think I have a feeling he's going to start the series off a little bit slow. Um, but I think as as they game plan against each other, and as he watches more film, and I, I, he, I think Harden's a real cerebral cerebral player. Like I think he watches a lot of game film, and I, I think he he's a lot more crafty than a lot of people want to give him credit for. He's really really <laughs> he thinks out a lot of the stuff in his head, right? And you know, one of the best defenses to guard James Harden is that hedge scheme, right? Where you uh, when Harden calls for a pick for a pick and roll, and like you know, instead of helping like. The, the guys, the big man, like, traps Harden, and it makes it really hard for him to, to operate, right? And that's not a secret anymore, right? It, uh, three years ago, the Clippers were, like, the first that I saw do this, and, like, more and more teams are starting to do it. But, like, Harden's starting to combat that with his rid- ridiculous passing, right? And I think that's kind of how Harden can take advantage of the mismatch. I think he, like, he has to be, the like, a passer in this in this series. Yeah, I like the, the way it was phrased by Brian Geltseiler, uh, NBA TV analyst. I had him on my show, Locked on Rockets, a week ago, and I asked him about the matchup because, of course, we knew it was coming. And the way he phrased it was what changed for Harden the last two games since Oklahoma City was that he let the game come to him rather than try to force the action. And I think that's the key. I think early on in the season, especially without a point guard, he's having to do a little bit too much. You also have the spotlight, you know, MVP games, Harden against Westbrook, blah, blah, blah. And so there was a little bit of forcing the issue, whereas the latter two games, he seemed a lot more relaxed. And when he's relaxed and lets the game come to him, there are a lot of advantages uh, for the Rockets in this matchup. And for us to get back to your point a minute ago about just the overall matchup of the two teams and why it seems to favor Houston. I've been thinking about this a lot the last two days because when I look at some of the models, I'm sure you guys have seen some of the numbers. Kevin Pelton, analytics guy for ESPN, his uh, using the ESPN's model gives the Rockets an 89% chance of winning the series. Only team that's a bigger favorite is Golden State against Portland. That surprised me a little bit. Uh, ESPN's basketball power index, BPI, that gives the Rockets an 80% chance. So really you see numbers like that, 80, 89%. And at first, it's hard to reconcile because, of course, a lot of people say, well, this is close to a toss-up series. We know three of the four games have gone down to the wire this year. And there's a reason some of us in the past have had a little bit of concern over the Thunder. But when I look at when I look at those numbers and you look at the underlying metrics, and I think we know where they're coming from. The Thunder, really, they don't even profile as a 47-35 and 35 win team. Now, I know that's what they finished at, but that's because of how phenomenal Russell Westbrook was in the clutch. Their 0.8 positive differential that's really more suggestive of a 42 or 43 win team. So the metrics don't just like the Rockets a little bit more. The metrics like the Rockets a lot more. And there's a reason for that. And I started thinking about it. And as much as we fixated on those first three matchups being abnormally close, all going down to the wire, 
The only reason they actually went down to the wire was because in all of them, the Rockets went through an inopportune drought in the fourth quarter. Basically, in all of the four matchups between these teams this year, the Rockets have essentially controlled 90% of the game. Like, as much as we tend to fixate on the fourth quarter because, yes, it's winning time, blah, 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 there's a reason that literally all four times these teams have met, the Rockets have been in control of the game, much of it by, I I would wager that over 50% of the playing time between these two teams all year, the Rockets have had a double-digit lead. And so that may be more indicative than just the fourth quarter. The fact that every single game, the the pace, everything seems to favor the Rockets. They have a double-digit lead for at least half of the game, it feels like. I know the Thunder are a very clutch team. You have to give Russell Westbrook a ton of credit for what he's done. And if it's close in the closing minutes, I would not want to bet against him. However, the more I look at it bigger picture, the more it looks like that, um, yeah, there's a reason the Rockets won three out of four. There's a reason the metrics like them so much. This just seems like a pretty favorable matchup for Houston overall. Now, let me ask you guys this, uh, because I talked to Forrest about this like last weekend, um, and we were, we were talking about this, this series because the matchup was already pretty much locked in. Um, are are the Thunder a better playoff team? Like, do they have a higher ceiling in the playoffs than they do in the regular season? Because I I kind of think they do because they they have a lot of length and athleticism and and that and that's really really you know beneficial in the playoffs to have uh you know they have players that have came up big in the playoffs like Russell Westbrook, uh, Stephen Adams and and I still think uh, Victor Oladipo can come up big in the playoffs like we haven't seen that yet like. Like, what do you guys think? Like, do they have a high? Like, are are we putting too much into the regular season matchups? Because you know, I, I'm with you, but I I kind of looking at looking back at the regular season matchups. I think this series favors the Rockets a lot. But like, are we putting too much stock into those regular season matchups? Uh, my take on the Thunder as a playoff team is that they are not very good in the half court. That's a, that is the same argument you can make against the Rockets, which is that they like to play fast. You can make even more against the Thunder in that they are actually a pretty bad half-court team, and they are much better on the break. Uh, and so if you subscribe to the idea that the playoffs will slow down, which maybe they will, maybe they won't, uh, if the playoffs slow down and are different from the regular season, then the Thunder are probably going to be, if anything, worse off than they were in the regular season. If the playoffs are the same as the regular season, then, which I actually kind of am leaning toward more over time because more teams are playing fast. That I, I, if, if the playoffs are not much different in the way in the way that the games are played, then you can't really. Uh, they, they are regular. They're as good as they were in the regular season. So, I actually am not super hopeful about the Thunder's chances in the pl- in the playoffs in general. I kind of see it as a as two areas here where they could improve. One, that's upon their regular season performance. One, I don't really see it as a real threat. The second, I kind of do. The lesser threat, we've seen a lot about the pieces not really fitting together because the metric suggests, as I said earlier, they should be a 42, 43, 44-win team. And yet they have all, all this talent. We see the depth inside. We see Russell Westbrook on the perimeter. We know the talent of Victor Oladipo. So you should, in theory, that team should be more than it is. And at some point, you know, what if it all clicks? I do think they have more talent than a team that's in the mid-40s. However, I don't see it as realistic to click now because, really, you would at least see some signs coming down the stretch. And, you know, the stretch run the last two weeks, yeah, we know Russell Westbrook's MVP campaign. But, guys, there's a reason they've been down big to Orlando and Dallas and Denver, teams like that. If it hasn't clicked by now, I see a – you know, I have a hard time seeing that it's magically just going to click in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think the talent 
is a little bit more than the record. I think it's one of those situations where the pieces have not all fit together yet. But I think if we were going to see, you know, a sharp uptick, we would have seen some signs before now. The other factor that makes me think they could have a little more upside is just simply Russell Westbrook's ability to steal a game. In the playoffs, we know how this goes. We can say all of this about how favorable the matchup is for the Rockets, and I honestly think it is. I picked the Rockets in six before the series. Now I'm kind of starting to lean closer to five, but I definitely think the Rockets are the big favorites. The flip side in the playoff series, if the Thunder go out and take game one or game two, have one of those swing games, which especially early in the series, they steal home court. All of a sudden, the psychological component in a short playoff series can tilt towards them. And so that's the one area because Russell Westbrook, if it's within five or six points in the last two or three minutes, we know his exploits, we know what he can do. And so that's the one X factor is that if it's a little close, if the Rockets are sluggish, Russell Westbrook's ability to steal a game that the Thunder might otherwise have no business winning, that's the only scenario where I could say that they're a little more dangerous than the regular season. Because all of a sudden, if one of those games happens to be in Houston that they steal, then that's a huge psychological boost. Maybe the pressure starts to rise a little bit with the Rockets. And once that happens, once that happens, who knows? Because maybe the teams start to lose some of their defining characteristics when you have that uh, that emotional component, that momentum factored in. Okay, guys. So uh, we talked a lot about this uh, about this series. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and ask you guys, like, who's your most important player in the series, right? Like, and for me, like, I- I'm I'm gonna keep it pretty simple. I think it's James Harden, right? I-, I think he has to adjust to the Thunder accordingly how they play him, and I, and I think it's gonna be really important to see how he uh, responds to that hedge, right? And and how he responds to a team keying in on him on the playoffs, right? Like, this this is a different year for James Harden than other years, right? Before he had Dwight Howard to kind of absorb all that help. Now he doesn't, right? Now he has a whole bunch of shooters and pick-and-roll big men. And to some extent, that does, um, that may be a lot better, you know, in terms of coverage on him. But, like, that that's going to be my most important player of the series. I, I, think, I think it's going to be James Harden. Like, who do you guys think it's going to be? Uh, I think everyone's going to be looking at Russell Westbrook because he's sort of the most variant, I guess, of the of the players. I mean, for example, if Russell Westbrook just hits like 50% of his threes, then things can change. And he's shown that he's, he's variant enough that he just might do that randomly. But I think you're right that James Harden, it is really his series to lose, uh, which is not to say that they won't lose a series. It's entire while they're the, I think they're heavy favorites, they're still not like absolute locks here. Uh, yeah. So people are going to be looking at Russ, but I think that Harden is going to, in the end, be the real determinant of how the series goes. I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit. I agree that Harden's clearly the best player, but I think we have a good idea of what he's going to do in this series. My X Factor, my most important player for the Rockets, I'm actually going to go with Clint Capella because you know what you're going to get from Nene inside. You're confident in those 24 minutes. It's what's going to happen the other half of the game. Is are we going to get the version of Clint Capella that that last week in March when they went on the three game losing streak to the Warriors and Blazers that looked timid, kind of lost his confidence a little bit, was getting stripped on the way up? Or are we going to get the guy who, after taking a couple of days off to rest, maybe get the Achilles right, whatever it may be? Are we going to get the version that was a team best plus twenty eight in Sacramento, had twenty two and ten, I think, against Carl Anthony Towns in the finale? If you have a version of Clint Capella that's a legitimate starting quality big man, if Clint Capella is playing at the level that that he's played at when he's right, I just don't see an avenue for the Thunder to win this series. Because if Capella doesn't get eaten alive, if he's competitive on the 
interior. The Rockets just have too many playmakers, too many shooters. I know we can we can point to any of the playmakers, any of the shooters, and say, well, they need to shoot well. But the bottom line is, I don't see them all going cold simultaneously. Somebody's going to make enough shots. We know Harden and Westbrook are largely going to battle each other to a draw, in my opinion. So the one area that I worry about with the Rockets that I could see them running into problems is if you have a little bit of a timid, not-so-confident Clint Capella, and he just has his basically lunch stolen in those 20 to 25 minutes per game that he plays against Adams, Cantor, whoever it may be. That might be the one route where the Thunder could bully the Rockets and make it, a, you know, a slugfest, the kind of game that they could win. If you get the the A version of Clint Capella, I just don't see a route that the Thunder can win this series. So that's why, to me, uh, Harden's clearly the, the best player, but the most important player in my eyes is probably Capella, just because he has a lot of variability. And if you get the good version of Capella, I think it could be a very short series uh, with the Rockets moving on. I'm actually surprised nobody mentioned Patrick Beverly because I, I I think Patrick Beverly is going to be an important player in this series. Obviously, he's guarding Russell Westbrook, and that's going to be a, a big national headline because, you know, obviously uh, three years ago, uh, Russ, Jay, Patrick Beverly inadvertently uh, helped tear Russell Westbrook's meniscus. Um, but I, I think... I think just the other stuff that Patrick Beverly provides to this team, the rebounding, the the grit, the you know, like the shooting, the three point shoot, I think all that stuff is gonna be really, really important for the Rockies and I think I think he's gonna he's gonna have to come up big in the playoffs. And and we've never worried about Patrick Beverly before doing that because he's obviously a really intense guy and like we kind of assume <laughs> he he comes out to play for these matchups. But I yeah, I, I just think he's gonna be an also also an important player that we should mention. Um so let's go ahead and let's go ahead and put it all on the table. Who are your picks, and and, and how many games? Mm, that's this is the hardest question in my opinion. You guys go first. I got to think about this some more. <laughs> I'm going to stick with Rockets in six. The more I th- that was my pick. That's what I wrote my pre-series preview column on Sports790.com. And yeah, I'm going to stick with it. The more I think about it, I could see a case for five for it being a really short series. The one feeling I can't shake is the the part about Westbrook just stealing a game. We've seen it happen so much lately. I think on paper, it's a series the Rockets should win in five games. However, I just see one of these games that maybe the Rockets control. I see Russell Westbrook having one of those moments late, and that makes it a little bit of a longer series than it might seem to be on paper. However, I think the Rockets just have too many options. And even though game six means closing it out in Oklahoma City on the road, I don't think the Rockets have fear of playing on the road. They've generally been a pretty strong road team all year. They're mentally tough. So I would hope for five games, but I'd say six is probably a more reasonable expectation. So I'm going to say Rockets in six. Yeah, this is tough, right? Because uh, we're going to have to make our picks for RendishNoops.com for our preview column today. And I have no idea like where which way I'm leaning on this. I'd probably end up saying Rockets in five, um, but that it's really really difficult for me. the the only The only uh, outcome I'm ruling out is is a sweep, right? Because I think, like as you mentioned, I think Russell Westbrook is just good enough to steal a game, and I think that's probably going to happen. Um, in fact, I probably put money on it. Like I, I think Russell Westbrook is probably going to steal one of these games, and I think, um, and I, I think, just off that, I, I think the floor for this series is, has to be a five game series. But um, yeah, and, and like. A lot of Rockets fans, man, like they're underestimating the Thunder, man. I'm, I'm gonna say it, man. Like this, this team has the potential to give the Rockets a lot of trouble in the postseason. And the and the Rockets are three one against the Thunder, but the differential in these games have been like three points, right? Like it's it's not been, it's the Rockets haven't been blowing away with this like by all, by any means, right? They, they've been winning these games and 
in the clutch. And that's kind of like that that kind of gives me a lot of pause. Like I could definitely see this being a long series and I could and in the same stretch I in the same vein I could see it being a short series, right? Like I, and I'm probably going to lean towards it being a short series, but I don't feel good about it at all. I think that Rockets in 6 is the right answer, but I just can't convince myself that it's going to happen if this makes any sense. Hmm. Like the way, like that's how the, that's how good the two teams are. Right, that the Thunder are pretty good. Uh, they should be able to grab a game or two. The Rockets are better than them and should definitely win without it being a particularly long. It shouldn't go to if it goes to seven. There's a problem. But I just it's it's hard for me to discount just uh how much Russell Westbrook seems to be able to just like play above his head when he needs to. That he just seems to be able to force games to be close. That's sort of how the Thunder have operated all season. That they win games they should not be winning because they just make some crazy run at the end. Russell Westbrook just forces the game to be a close game at the very last second, and then they win by like one point. I mean, yep. I I kind of expect every single game the Rockets to be up by ten points going into the fourth quarter, and then just like it's a total coin flip as to who wins that game. You have to be up like thirty on the Thunder to be safe from them because. Yeah. They just randomly will come in and, and, you know, Russell Westbrook will hit four threes in a row and suddenly it's a real game again. So I think the Rockets should definitely win uh, without too much trouble, like to one like uh, like one or two Thunder games. But it's like it would not surprise me at all to see them, the Thunder, actually win this series despite having like a very negative point differential. Uh, so I, I think that Rockets in six is the right answer. But I'm extremely wary. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think I think it's fair. Like a, a lot, a lot of people are going Rockets in six, um, and like I don't blame anybody for picking any like picking any outcome. Like I, I think all outcomes are on the table, right? This could be a really short series, and this could be a really long series, and and I I, I have it. I haven't really made up my mind as to which way I strongly think it's going to go. I'm I'm leaning five, but I mean like. I could that my mind can change like tomorrow, right? Like, like I think this series is going to be a lot of fun, despite uh, the Rockets uh, having the clear talent advantage. I, I think this this series is going to be um, obviously it, the NBA sees this as their premier series, right? That's why they're placing it on TNT uh, in their main time slot, right? Like uh, they obviously see this uh, as a huge. Um, Cue for them, like having this come out in the first round series. Like I, I think, I think yeah, it's, that's that's why we have to wait until the very last game of the first round to watch it. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, it's unfortunate that we had to wait that long, but it, but I mean, honestly, it adds to the drama, and I'm all about it. Like I love the playoffs, and like this is kind of my favorite time of the year. Like this is like Christmas morning for me, right? Like like right now, like this morning, I was watching Pitbull uh, playoff videos. <laughs> like like I, I'm I'm all hyped up for this thing. To, <laughs> I'm all yeah. hyped up for this thing to get going. Like I, I'm, I'm just, I just, I'm just you're saying ready. it's going down, and you're calling timber. Exactly. There you go. Wow. Exactly. I'm, I'm all about it. Like, like, like Fast and Furious comes out tonight. Like I have Wiz Khalifa lyrics in my head, and I have Pitbull Timber Timber lyrics in my head. I'm, I'm just, I'm hyped up today. I'm, hi- I'm hyped up today, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, now that we've had some time to reflect on this on the season in general, and I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because we didn't do a podcast last week. Um, like, what are your thoughts on the season in general for that the Rockets have had? Just the regular season, it, it, and like, you can answer any way you want to go with this. Like, you want you can say a positive experience, a negative experience, some surprise surprises. Like, what are your thoughts on on how the season has ended? 
I would say really positively, uh, unless they lose in the first round, which is certainly not impossible. The Thunder are definitely good enough to win the series if a couple of breaks go their way, but certainly not expecting it. As long as they don't get eliminated in the first round, something kind of embarrassing like that, I think they've gone such a long way towards restoring the the image of the franchise, and that's big because I think we'd love to see the Rockets go on a you know a tear this spring and you know win a ring this year, and it's certainly not impossible. But I think the likelihood we all know the Rockets probably do need one more All Star level player to truly be at the tier of the Golden State Warriors, at least Golden State Warriors as they're currently constructed, no injuries, that kind of thing. So. A lot of what you're doing is not just about this year, but it's about, okay, what is this franchise going to look like in July in subsequent free agencies or trade deadline periods, stuff like that. I think the Rockets, that round number, I know everyone hates the phrase round number, but the round number of 55 (laughs) wins, that's big time. Even if Harden doesn't win MVP, he'd be second. And then you're looking at both uh, Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni as strong front runners for executive of the year and coach of the year. So really, I think up and down, the Rockets have restored the image of themselves as one of the premier franchises in the NBA. And so that's what I take about that. If you told me before the year they would 55 games, I would have gladly, <laughs> gladly taken that. And then, of course, to see Harden, D'Antoni, Morey getting all the respect that they're getting. Yeah, this regular season really pleased me a lot because short of losing in an embarrassing way to the Thunder, I, I think they're positioned really well. Like I'm very optimistic about the long term of this franchise based 90% on what they've already done in the regular season. That's how positive this season was in terms of restoring their image and kind of restoring uh, their goodwill around the NBA to where hopefully, uh, not that I'm saying they should go after Kent Bazemore, but you know, hopefully next time Kent Bazemore wouldn't turn him down and uh, Al Horford would at least make them a finalist, so to speak. Uh, if you told me they were going to win 55 games uh, in you know in September, and that they would be the third best team, like the clear third best team in the NBA, I would have slapped you across your face. There's no way. <laughs> so this has been just an out of control success. Like there, it's been a massive positive, like well beyond the expectations. And you know, apart from the normal grousing after any loss. Uh, it's been nothing but like the exact opposite of the previous season. This has been a huge, unequivocal success, and everybody should feel really good about this, no matter what happens in the next few weeks. Yeah, I, and I agree with you guys. Like, I, I think you made a great point up there, Ben, about restoring their image, right? And that's kind of been that was the biggest goal of this franchise, uh, the coming into the season, right? Like, and and the off season, right? Find free agents and find a coach that helps you restore your image and make yourself attractive to free agents again. And that's, I think the Rockets achieved that. I, I think, you know, like the fr- the Rockets looked really bad like six months ago, right? Like they, yeah. they, they were, they were being trashed up and down uh, by the local media, national media, whoever, like it, it was, it was a really bad look for the franchise. Uh, you know, going after reaching the conference finals, coming in and laying an egg for an entire season. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> It's just not a pleasing look, right? And and Harden, um, you know, it, it, he probably took the biggest hit in terms of his his uh, image. And this year, it's kind of the exact opposite. I mean, the best way I could sum- summarize this season is like last year we were angry about James Harden missing All NBA, and this year we're angry about James Harden being second in MVP. Like that's yeah. that's what we're angry about yeah. this season. Like to put everything in perspective, that's exact. 
the Rock Rockets fans should be absolutely like floored by how great this season has been has gone. And I, I think um, I think the Rockets are finally like a, a free agent destination again. And I think I think I think it's gonna I think whatever happens in the playoffs, like yes, you kind of hope they get to the, you, you kind of hope they uh, they make a deep run. But even if they get to like the second round and and stay competitive, like that's a really good look for the Rockets. Like nobody expected the Rockets to be this good, and the Rockets like. I mean, the Vegas over-unders were, like, 41 and a half wins, and the Rockets exceeded that by, like, 13 wins. Like, I mean, yeah. the, and, like, that, that that right there just tells you everything, right? Like, and um, the Rockets are, you know, they look really good on paper, and going forward in the future, like, their contracts are, yeah, you know, there's some question over that Ryan Anderson contract, but it looks a lot better that he performed really well this year. And, you know, they have a lot of flexibility. They can move some contracts around and make max cap space if, if they really want to this this summer. And that's that's the name of the game, right? Uh, just keep on getting better. Keep on uh, going after it every single year you have James R in his prime. Utilize every single year, right? And that, that that's what I really like about this season, right? Like, James Harden... Like we didn't waste a prime year for him. Like last year, we wasted yeah. we wasted a year of his prime, and that sucks, right? And you can't get that year back, and you know that it really pisses me off that that happened. But this year, you know, you 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 used uh, you used this season in totality totality uh, the right way, and I, and and that's why that's you should be everybody should be happy about that. Okay, I want to go on a little bit of a rant here if we have a second because I have a lot of feelings about one particular aspect of this. Uh, which is that last season there were big questions, and to me the questions that were the most frightening were questions about leadership and culture. Uh, that mm-hmm. it looked like not only was James Harden unable to lead that team, but there were questions about can he ever lead the team? Like, what is he like as a leader? Can he be your best player? Like, what's the team culture like? Why is it all sniping and infighting? Can we fix this? Because that, that's that's the bedrock upon which every great team is built. You have to have a good culture. And I was, you know, I've, I've been saying for a while they have to fix their culture before anything else can go right for them. If they can't get their locker room in order, if they can't get their front office and coaching staff in order, then they're doomed from the outset. Uh, I think this season has been beyond my wildest dreams in that department. Uh, I was very skeptical of the Mike D'Antoni hire because I did not like his record as a coach. However, his fit with James Harden and his fit with the owner, Les Alexander, and the general manager, Daryl Morey, has been perfect, which I think is a huge part of this massive success, that when all four of those guys, when your owner, your manager, your head coach, and your superstar are all on the same page at what you want people to be doing, that's how you find success. Uh, James Harden has been incredible in a bounce back from that really bad year. He's clearly been put into a position where he can lead the way he's comfortable with and not trying to lead it in some other manner. Like he's clearly not a really confrontative guy. That's what he has Patrick Beverly for. Uh, That was clearly a horrible situation for him last season. Seeing him be able to actually come out and look like a leader, look and see the team united behind him is more important than any number of wins, in my opinion. Like, this season shows that he can be your best player on a championship team. He can lead you to a championship in the right situation. Now it's just a matter of trying to improve the team and waiting until the situation is fortuitous. Just keep on trucking, you know, keep this group together, nail down this chemistry, and keep going. And I think that's when the door is open to greatness. So that's my long-term view. 
Yeah, and to kind of back up that a little bit, last night I had a mailbag show, and one of the listeners asked me, look, if you had to pick one, I know they're not mutually exclusive, but which do you think is better for the Rockets' long-term positioning, desirability free agents, et cetera? Harden winning the MVP or Maury and D'Antoni winning executive and coach of the year? And I thought about it, and I actually went with the latter. And the reason I did was because the problems last summer, it wasn't just about Harden. It was up and down the entire organization. It was the notion of instability. That's what folks question. So whether Harden finishes first or second in MVP, we know he's redeemed himself completely, both locally and nationally. People know that, as you said, he can be the number one guy in a championship team. But then to see also guys like Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey getting their praise for them to win those awards. Well, quite frankly, even if they don't, even if they're just in the conversation, what the Rockets have shown this year, and I think executive and coach of the year would reflect it, is not just any one player. It's an organization that is cohesive. There's a singular vision. There's a chemistry. There's all the things that weren't there a year ago. And so going forward, the Rockets, they're not really a question mark anymore. You know who they are. You know what they want to be. There is stability, and I think it's going to make all the difference in the world, not just on the court this season, but uh, every offseason starting in July and their desirability and their perception around the league. It's incredible what they've done in the past 12 months to get back to what we were saying earlier, restore their image. And, um, yeah, Harden's a big part of it. But, yeah, D'Antoni and Maury, too, just up and down the roster. This, this is, you know, the poster organization for how an efficient, smart organization should be should be run and as much as all of us were skeptical about mike and tony when he was hired as you said boris he's he's been the perfect guy for this team at this time and the organization seems to be as healthy in my eyes as it's been in a long long time yeah i, I couldn't put it better myself um i i think the a huge success of the season was getting like Getting a coach that you feel like can be James Harden's last coach, right? And, and I, I feel like Mike D'Antoni is that guy, right? And yeah, I, I think this season's been a massive success. I, I think that I think uh, I'm feeling really good about the Rockets' chances in the first round. Um, uh, and I, I think I think you know, if you're a Rockets fan, you like it's, this has been a really positive podcast, and I, I think I think there's there's a lot of reason for that, and I, I think you should look forward to the future. I, I think you should um, you should. Praise this season. You should enjoy this season. Uh, don't worry about the MVP vote, right? Like, like, regardless of who wins that, like, you had a massive successful season. Like, that's all that matters. You had an awesome season, and, you know, you should be happy about that. And, yeah, I mean, if you guys enjoyed the simulcast edition of this podcast, please let us know. Tweet at us. Email us. Let us know that you liked it. Uh, and we might do more of these going forward. Um, you know, subscribe to the Reddish News Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe to the Lockdown Rockets Podcast on iTunes. Give us both good ratings if you enjoyed the show. And yeah, guys, good night.